Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Welcome back to the 19th Tea Podcast. Kieran Marsh and Nathan Drudy with you once again tonight for the highly anticipated second part of our chat with New York Times bestseller Tom Coyne. Part two is going to all be about his trip around Scotland for his famous book, A Course Called Scotland. We'll also talk about the one he's just finished. That's A Course Called America as he begins to sit down and pull together the pages for a 2021 release on that book. We also talk a little bit about some of the issues facing the game more broadly and the future of golf as it stands. So looking forward to part two. Uh, Settle in. I hope you enjoyed as much as you did part one. So without any further ado, we'll get back to our chat with Tom Coyne. Now, Tom, uh, both Nathan and I have ready to go, set in the chamber, waiting for Nathan to finish a course called Ireland, uh, is a course called Scotland. It's it's our own little 19th T podcast book club that we run here and we like to read them. Two members. (laughs) Two members. Outstanding. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to know, given we've loved, we've both loved uh, a course called Ireland so much. What can we expect from a course called Scotland? Yeah, so a course called Scotland um, is a book that I think combines. It's a different. You know, the title would lead you to believe that it's like a pure sequel, but it's definitely a different story. A lot of time has passed in my life. There were a lot of changes. You know, now I have kids, and 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 a lot of changes in my life, and. Um, and my relationship with golf in the meantime had its ups and downs. And um, so it's sort of a combination of, of what I did in a course called Ireland, which is, uh, you know, sort of a golf odyssey, uh, a travel story. But it also has Paper Tiger in it. And Paper Tiger is a book where, you know, I try to qualify for, the, for various professional tours around the world. And in, so in doing this, the Scotland book, that to me... The, the, the impulse, the thing that got me really going to want to do that book is I wanted to find the secret to golf. And if it existed anywhere, that it had to exist in Scotland, the home of golf, right? Um, so I initially was going to go play every course on the British Open Rota. And that just blew up and expanded and grew to where I decided to play every links in Scotland and play some in Wales and England as well. Um, so it's a it's a big book that, I mean, not in size, but in its scope and that I play a lot more courses. Um, there's, you know, there's 60 something in the Ireland book and there's over a hundred in the Scotland trip. And it's a little different. And then I had to do it in the space of 50 days because <clears throat> I had this window between the end of my school year where I teach and, uh, and the final round was going to be a qualifier for the open championship because I wanted to put to the test this secret that I knew I would find in Scotland somewhere, put it to the test in competition for the oldest championship in sports. So it has a little, I think a little more of a narrative drive um, towards that end goal um, where I think I'm learning. I think it's probably a little more practical from a, someone who's interested in how to play their best golf. There's a little, there's a little more of that. The short way of explaining the differences in the Scotland book, the strokes matter. 
um, they matter far less in the uh, in the Ireland book. So, and I didn't walk Scotland. Planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> I mean, doing Scotland in 50 days by foot would literally be impossible. And getting out to Scotland is all broken up and craggy and has islands and you take ferries to get from here to there. You know, the, 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 the west coast of Scotland is not, um, I couldn't navigate it on foot. So um, it's, it's, and those, it's actually, and for the best too, I think some of the better stories are some of the planes I actually somehow got myself onto um, or, or some of the ferry experiences and all that. So it's, it's a real travel odyssey for sure. And then coming in, in, in 2021, a course called America now, you know, selfishly, we can't, can't give away too much, but what's, what's the synopsis? What's the sort of headlines uh, for a course called America in, in 2021? Cause by that time I'll, I'll have probably finished your, your first couple of books because I am. I hope so, you know, some, <laughs> give me some time there. You'll be ready by then. Um, yeah. So that, this is my search for the great American golf course mm-hmm. and it's actually, and it just came out of the impulse to do this one was that it become pretty clear to me that I knew golf in Ireland and Scotland far better than I did in my own country. And I'd sort of overlooked and discounted golf in my own country because it wasn't Lynx golf. And it's a really interesting time in my country as well. And I wanted to go out and experience it and understand it and not just sit on the couch and think we're just, we're going to hell in a handbasket. Right. Hmm. Um, so I want to go out and see it and see what, what was really going on out there and golf would be a way that I could do that and meet a lot of people. And so I decided to play golf in all 50 States to play every course to ever host a U.S. open. Cause that would allow me to sort of learn the history of golf in America because those courses have that history. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that idea of the quest for, you know, the search for the great American golf course, I would have to figure out two important things to me. One, what makes a golf course great? What does that mean? Um, that's sort of a, I think a a mystery, uh, for most of us. And I think I'm able to kind of find out what that is, at least for me, and then figure out what's that, the word mean that, that word mean that comes before it in the sentence American. What, what does that mean in 2019? That was the most interesting question for me going into it. Um, and probably the the most satisfying thing that I took away from the adventure is really getting to understand that it's it's not one simple answer but to be able to experience all these different states meet all these different people see all these different points of view and then thank god at the end of the day everybody get along that was pretty great because we're not all getting along over here in case anybody has not know so uh to to travel the country to turn the news off and just go meet people from all over and and, and realize you know people themselves are good you know it sort of restored my faith in in this country and then i came home and started watching the news again and i'm trying to emigrate to ireland so you know <laughs> what happens St. Andrews. you can't, you can't watch Andrews. the news man uh bring it on bring it on absolutely we won't uh, Tom. we won't deep dive too much into the content because selfishly obviously we're gonna have to have you back on the podcast when you release a course called america uh, yeah, but, but i think that i think that your trip around america probably leaves you uniquely qualified to talk on on two important topics first of all where do you see the the health of the game uh, in terms of its popularity in terms of the connection that those at the very top end have with those uh, like Nathan and I and and our 
counterparts in America who play the game purely for passion and for fun because I think your trip around the States probably gave you the experience with a whole different set of golfing circumstances, whether they be geographical, socioeconomic, skill-based, you know, amateur, professional. And I, I suppose it's a great microcosm for where the game's at at more of a macro level. So how do you assess purely from an American standpoint, being one of the largest markets in world golf, how do you assess the health, health of the game at present? I'm so glad you asked that because that's a big part of the book. I mean, I, to, one of the main themes of this book is talking about this sort of modern, is the modern golfer or what I'm kind of calling a new golf revolution. And, and it is a revolution. It's, it's, it's definitely a shift from, you know, we were measured. We are still measuring the health of golf in America by country club memberships, um, by course closures, by you know waiting lists at country clubs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, our golf over here is predominantly private, and we're saying, oh, you know, there used to be a hundred-person waiting list to join this club, and now you can just walk in and join it. So hmm. like, golf is not in a in a in a good place. You know, interest is down, and this, that, and the other. And I don't know. There's probably some statistics that could point to that but there's this whole other thing going on that's outside of the country club world and it's and it's encapsulated for us in publications like the golfer's journal that i have to plug because i write for it and love it um (laughs) or there you go or um in brands like seamus golf Hmm. be dratty link soul the new kind of initiatives Titleist is taking on golf is getting as a, is becoming the modern golfer or the millennial golfer is, is different than the golfer of my dad's generation. So we can't use that metric of like, what's, you know, the dad generation up to, or your now grandfather, whatever. There's all this exciting stuff going on. I think in a, in a younger, um, less tradition bound golf demographic a golf demographic that's getting consuming their golf via Instagram and podcasts. They are playing their golf largely at public facilities and looking for good ones. They, their golf bags are, you know, they're investing in bespoke, you know, custom, interesting uh, brands. Um, They are, they're cool, right? You know, they're, they're wearing flat brimmed hats and, and, and happy to Golf play. Swag. Yeah. All that stuff. Like there's, they've got more swag. Right. And, and I think, you know, podcasts like no laying up have, have been part of that movement. Brands like um, link soul have been part of that. Um, places like Sweetens Cove in, in Tennessee have been a big part of that. There's a shift in the golf experiences that people are looking for. And, and it has to do more with, and it's actually, you know, part of it's like kind of modern and hip, but it's actually kind of a throwback, right? Because they want golf that is not like they, they're, they don't want like golf carts and, and bullshit resort over-designed, you know, uh, golf courses from the 1970s. Like they want some of that um the the pure stuff like the minimalist stuff they're they're actually though they look younger and, and more modern they're probably closer to what golfers used to be like a long long time ago mm. um but you know that um that they're okay with more rugged golf and and just want like stuff that feels authentic and uh i don't know i, I that part of golf is so 
great and healthy. And I think people are more into architecture now than they ever were. Thanks to like guys like Andy Johnson and the fried egg, which is a huge podcast over here. Um, here too. Yeah, <laughs> Andy, right? Andy's reach so, is global. <laughs> so it's, it's like all that stuff's going on and that's really good. Like we have informed, interesting, modern, young players who where golf is now part of a lifestyle it's it's how they dress it's the podcast they listen to um i think golf's just being consumed in different ways now it's being consumed in different places and i think that model of like hey give us 50 grand and you can join our golf club um that even though i belong to one of those places not that i paid for whatever i'm not gonna get you know i i belong to a (laughs) private club but the private clubs got to be aware that you know the golfers of tomorrow are more interested in interesting experiences and less interested in joining a club to say that i'm a member of such and such that's shifting that's scary probably and hard for the golf establishment but that doesn't mean that golf isn't healthy you know i would show up at these golf courses and and on instagram i'd invite people if i had like a room for like if a public course would give us a lot of space and say all right like and like 30 guys would show up and every one of them would have, um, you know, something from the fried egg or Zach Blair's buck club or a no laying up towel or something from Seamus golf or a McKenzie bag or, and be dratty shirts and, and, uh, you know, like just different, you know, cool stuff. Right. And, and I'd look at that and be like, none of these guys show up are members of fancy clubs and none of them show up on that report about, you know, country club membership and decline. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how do you capture, they're not capturing, I I think in those assessments, that kind of golfer and they're, it's growing, it's expanding. And, uh, and I think it's, it's healthy and exciting. And Tom, I think, I think just as importantly that the second, probably buzz topic at the moment that I think your, your recent walk around the country would, would leave you well placed to speak on is distance. Because I think the, the very essence of the book, as you said, is, is finding the perfect course. And, you know, the debate that surrounds us at the moment is, oh, is the ball going too far? And is that rendering some of the great courses of yesteryear redundant? And are we, you know, are we digging a hole for ourselves by creating ever increasing length in courses? Where do you see distance and its role in the game and, and your experience of walking around these courses, is it, is it on the radar of a lot of people around America and is it an important topic or are people just, I suppose, far more in their own bubble of where they play week in and week out? I, I think at the end of the day, we're prob we're, you know, we're more interested in our own game, you know, self-obsessed golfers that we are and, <laughs> and, and how like, yeah, has golf gotten too easy for me? Am I hitting it too far? Hell no, you know? Mm. Um, Not easy enough, to be honest. <laughs> right? You know, any initiative to make the game who's go- that's going to make the game more challenging or less fun for the 99.9% of golfers who actually who are playing it, you know, excluding the PGA Tour, any initiative that's going to alter that, I, I, can't, I can't support that. You know, I, I'm not in, wouldn't be in favor of that. I, I love my gear and my, my stuff. Don't mess with that. I, I, I see that, that probably, yeah, let's, okay, it's good now. Let's just pause here. I'm good with that. Rolling anything back, um, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big bifurcation guy because I, I like the idea that the pros are playing while they play a very different game than I play just because of their skill. But in theory, it's cool that what you do on a Saturday morning, you can go watch the pros do the same thing in on a Saturday afternoon. You know, they have the same gear. Mm-hmm. They're hitting it a hell of a lot further. But, you know, when they make a 10-foot putt, it's like, hey, I made a 10-foot putt this morning. You know, and that's kind of unique in sports. I don't imagine you watch, like, Aussie rules and, like, say, like, yeah, I do that all the time. Like, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> kind of my thing, you know. I was out banging it around this morning with my buddies, you know. So that vicarious experience of, like, there's a huge gap between the amateur and pro game, but that we kind of imagine it as, like, this thin line that, oh, I could do that too. I think that's a very cool thing about the game, and I, th- I don't. I think bifurcation that sets off the pro game further from from what we do. I don't think that's great for the game. Um, I just think, yeah, okay, pause it where it is, and um, and when the the pros are playing, I think like Royal Melbourne was the example, right? Play better golf courses. I think mm-hmm. Marion was an example. Play better golf courses. I think you'll find that places, you know, the U.S. Open's going to Los Angeles Country Club that's that's been restored and, and, and changed a little bit um in getting ready for the open and and Wingfoot was as well. But it wasn't all about what Gil Hans is doing there wasn't all about lengthening the golf course, though I'm sure he did. Um, but it was also about like making the golfers think more and and bringing hazards and trouble into play not by shrinking fairways, but actually by expanding them, mm. right? Um, you know, because that was one thing in my travels that I, I, I noticed that, like, the, definitely the trend in, in course um, work over here is to take out all the overgrowth of trees and to actually add fairway rather than take fairway away. Because, mm. you know, we think of, like, uh, rough and trees where it make a golf course hard, but actually what they can do is sometimes, like, hide what an architect intended in terms of where a missed shot will end up you know like there's there's bunkers you're never going to find if there's you know two feet of rough between the fairway and the bunker and Mm. you know so i was playing these some of these courses and and that had been restored to the architect's intent that weren't terribly long and and just were super demanding so um you know it's length isn't everything the hardest course i played on the whole trip was a place called myopia hunt club which is an ancient by american standards an ancient golf course and it's five thousand something yards and it just rips your heart out and stomps on it so um I, i i'm not i'm not terribly concerned about um yeah if you're gonna put pros on boring golf courses and just let them crush it the scores are could get out of control but who cares par is just a way of keeping keeping score right yeah who shoots the lowest total number wins i mean like we we saw on the weekend though pebble beach is one of the shorter courses on tour and and players struggled and some players rose to the challenge and and they weren't necessarily you know the biggest hitters like nick taylor wasn't wasn't the biggest hitter i mean he hit an iron off the tee on 18 in the final round so there's i think the architecture is is a really important part and i'm curious on your thoughts tom is how is architecture going to change moving forward because we can't keep making courses longer even though that kind of seems like the trend to counter distance is probably having a a negative effect 
No, I think it has to go. We have to look backward, right? We mm. have to look. We have this in this country, this golden age of architecture, right? Of architects who who really got it, and and you know, we're you know, Mackenzie, Tillingas, Ross, Flynn, Crump, Wilson, you know, all these all these great designers, and their courses over time, and Perry Maxwell and, and others. So, but their courses over time, they get you know, when they built them, there were no trees on them, so. Um, they're you know now they become you know the trees are planted a century later the courses are all sort of overgrown fairways have encroached uh greens have changed over time as well so i think you know what gil hans has been doing at a lot of places is going back and, and trying to restore the characteristics of the architect's initial intent and by doing that you know we're building we're getting back to that to those golf courses where you really have to think where, um, you know, at a place like Pebble, Pebbles, of course, you really need to think your way around because the, the greens, you know, I played it for the first time this past year and I was shocked, I, you know, on TV, they look small, but they're really, really small. Um, and, and which was one of the course's protections. The other protection being you're right on the ocean. And if you get the weather, it's, it's really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me, and, and, and to, you know, so to look to our past, look to Ireland, look to the British Isles as well, you know, to look to what makes, you know, something like the old course. Yes, the course, the scores are getting lower there, but it's always going to be a good test if they get some weather because it's a course where you really have to plot your way around and think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I think getting back to a more thoughtful architecture, which is I think the moment that we're in um, and getting away from, the simple band-aid solution which is just like build another tee let's push him back baby you know that you'll never be able to make the courses long enough and and I, so i think you're we just people have to be more creative and thinking about um ways to make holes challenging and sometimes to make a, a hole more thoughtful and challenging is actually to make the fairway bigger um yeah. to because that brings in different lengths of hitters that are that are still in the game um, Andy Johnson talks about that really well, you know, that, that idea, you know, his whole thing with the angles and, and I, I'm, I'm definitely of that school. Tom, you mentioned the publication just before, but one of the many hats that you wear is the senior writer at the golfers journal. You also tell some fantastic stories through this medium on the, the golfers journal podcast as well. Tell us a little bit about the publication. Cause it seems, I suppose, intent on unearthing those stories that lie just beneath the surface where nobody other than the golfers journal tend to scratch, but it unearths some of the great, uh, some of the great narratives in the game. It's, it's a wonderful publication born out of, I suppose, a great passion for the game and, and telling its story. I'm so thrilled to be associated with working with on the masthead at the golfers journal. Um, when they, I guess, I don't know, four years ago now initially came to us with uh, me and, and, and my agent with the idea of, um, of, of doing a magazine that was print only and, subscriber based model you know it was very much a sort of throwback um that we weren't gonna <laughs> the stories weren't gonna be online and and you had to subscribe and the subscription you know all of that was very much going against the mold and uh so there was that initial like whoa how the heck's this gonna work and then <laughs> but then that excitement of like if it does this is like a writer's dream where i can write what kind of meaningful stories i can write them with style i can write them to any length you know I mean, I've been edited for the glossy magazines and 
that story comes back and looking like nothing you know that i'd sent <laughs> in because you know they're chopping it down for column inches and all that and and chopping out all the interesting pros for clarity's sake and appealing to the broadest audience all this that, and the other i don't have to worry about any of that with the golfer's journal the stories that i send in are generally once they fix my spelling or grammar or whatever they uh those are the stories that that end up running and they can run long if they have to and that's just such a great experience for a writer and i think that's translated into a very good experience for our readers and also the fact that our photography absolutely kicks ass um mm. kojo our photography editor is the best in the business um you know it's a magazine you read where there's very few ads uh it we we do subsist it we work because people subscribe um and you know it's just that subscription like it's not a magazine really it's a book you know you get four books a year and uh that you're going to have a hard time putting down just because of the, I think of the photography, the words, um, the whole ethos of the thing is, um, is I just, it's just wonderful. Um, and I think, you know, they're at the tip of this, this sort of new movement in golf that is both modern, but both taking the best of what we used to do in the past as well. I've recently subscribed and I'm very eagerly awaiting uh, the first edition to come and land on my doorstep because I can't wait to, uh, to crack it open and, and get stuck. Welcome into the to the stories. family, man. Thank you. The broken tea society. You are a member of the broken tea society. announcements Coming up so, <laughs> on some of our events. So stay tuned. Definitely. Um, well, Tom, you've been great with your time, but we can't leave without asking you when a course called Australia is coming because you've got two hosts, Ready to show you around. We have the world's longest golf course. It's called the Nullarbor Lynx. You can look it up. It's called, it runs from oh, Ceduna in South Australia to Kalgoorlie in Western Australia. It's about the distance from Philly to Orlando is how uh, oh, you, you, you basically play one, one, well, one or a couple of holes at all these different courses across the Nullarbor. Um, so a course called oh, Australia, dude. mate. Two hosts, ready to go. I can't believe you just told me that. That is Wow. <laughs> they, they, they don't accept golf carts or vehicles. You've actually got to walk the whole thing, Tom, as it turns out. Feel, I'm feeling that, that thing. <laughs> it's stirring within me. Um, <laughs> if you yeah, need a, a me... written, you know, sort of letter from, from the principal, uh, we, could, we can write something and, and just let yeah. Alison know that you need some more time off. She's over here. She's, yeah, she's just waking up now. I'm going to go get her and tell her. To get, <laughs> Maybe get she her can go here. hang out she of that beach that you were you. talking about before. Oh, yeah, with all the surfer dudes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, well, the whole sand, sand belt in Melbourne is beautiful. She'd love Tasmania. Beautiful wine regions down there. Lovely as well. So there's some great, yeah. uh, great no, multi-purpose holidays there. Uh, no, I, 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 it's definitely, for me, it's what's left. And I, I'm not that I put it at the end of any spectrum, um, not in a ranking sort of way. But when you think of like the golf hubs of the world, Scotland, Ireland, um, you know, the British Isles, America, and which leads to that obvious suggestion now of Australia, New Zealand. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, yeah, if the, if it become, if, if it, you know, initially I was like, all right, this will be a travel trilogy, <laughs> but I don't know. I have to talk to you guys today. It might be a four-parter. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> uh, we'd love uh, it. I would, I would, I would love it as well. It's just, it's just so far away, man. I need to get up at the front of the plane on Qantas. I cannot sit in the back if I'm going that far. 
I'm so sure if, you if we have any friends there. I'm sure we'll, if we drop names, if we drop the 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 Q name enough on this podcast, on your podcast, a couple of books, maybe the website. I'm sure one A on the Qantas flight. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'll wear I'll, I'll wear a I'll get Qantas tattooed if they get me up in the front of the <laughs> front of the bus. I'm a gold member with Virgin Velocity, so that might. That might count right, for something. Cool. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd love to do it for sure. Uh, Tom, it's been, uh, it's been excellent, mate. We've, we've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's, uh, we, didn't, we didn't know how we'd go getting you up early in the morning in Philadelphia, but uh, you, you certainly haven't disappointed. It's been wonderful to spend some time talking with you. Now, I'm going to go through the inventory list. Let me know if I, I miss anything because we're going to give you Tom Coyne a bit of a plug each and every place that Tom Coyne appears. So, the books we have a gentleman's game paper tiger a course called ireland a course called scotland and eagerly awaiting a course called america have i got them all you got them we are at coin writer on twitter and instagram is that correct follow me there and we are are tomcoin.com on the interwebs on the inner inner things that's that's where to find me absolutely and of course the senior writer at the golfers journal obviously it's got links life on youtube don't forget to subscribe to that as well yeah check out the series we're doing on on youtube it's been a lot of fun so yeah i'd I'd, uh i appreciate the plugs guys no pleasure tom thanks so much for your time it's it's been great as we said and and i really appreciate you joining us from the other side of the world we look forward to doing it again sometime in the future Absolutely. You guys are great and I wish you all the best and, and hope we do cross paths out there for sure. Have a and, and all the success with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>